0: Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, LifePoint. There are a couple of things that I want to share. Before we even get going, I just want to recognize a couple of people. First of all, I want to celebrate the great worship that we just had, and we had a guest worship leader with us, Karina Ramirez. Wasn't she great? Praise the Lord for her. Yeah. Today, as you know, Pastor uh, George and his wife Cheryl, with her long term COVID, it's been uh, just a long journey. And I'm so grateful that Cheryl Pfizer is here with us today in the back. Aren't you grateful to have her here today? And a faithful, faithful woman of God for many years here at LifePoint is Mary Waterman. And Mary is here with us today. Can you just welcome her? And I'm glad you're here today. In fact, I want us to kick off today with our memory verse. I'm gonna say it once and then I'm gonna ask you to stand and then we're going to say it together. It's Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, Hebrews 12.1. Would you all stand with me in honor of God's Word, and would you say this memory verse of ours out loud together? Say it with me. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Hebrews 12:1. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for who you are in welcoming us into your presence. Lord, we're so grateful to just sit and rest in who you are, your love for us. May we just expand our knowledge today of who you are. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you all here today. I want to kick off today by just sharing a personal memory. In fact, it's the very first memory I have as a human being. I was three years old, and I was sitting in the high chair... Sitting around the dining room table, and my mom and my older sister Marcy were there. She's two years older than me, she was five. And she was showing off the fact that she could snap. And my mom was impressed with that and was kind of applauding her. And I remember sitting there trying to rub my finger and thumb together until it happened, and I snapped. And my mom and sister looked at me and they were so shocked and excited and proud that they applauded. And in my three-year-old little mind, I thought that my behavior plus their applause equaled love. Now, I was fortunate because as I grew up in that home, I quickly discovered you don't have to snap to get love but that's the way a three-year-old thinks, right? And so as we kick off our, our conversation here today, I want to look at two questions that I think all of us struggle with. Does the right contact, conduct earn me love? Now you know intuitively that's not right, and yet you're like me. You have a three-year-old brain that sometimes thinks the answer is yes. Or does the wrong conduct lose me love? And you have a three-year-old brain inside of you sometimes that thinks the answer is yes. Yes. Well, today's story that we're going to look at is a woman whose conduct was so bad, she had every right to believe that it was losing her love. And then a hero comes along. Cue the Mariah Carey song right there, right? We've been looking at this hero series. We first looked at Nehemiah, then Elisha, and then Gideon, and then uh, Esther, and then Ruth. But today's hero is Hosea. Let's meet Hosea. He lived back in the 8th century B.C., and he is a man whose story is uh, very similar to a story we hear all the time right here in Collin County, in Plano, and Richardson, in McKinney, and Frisco, and Prosper. We see in Allen, all these cities around us, um, around the world, we see Hosea's story lived out. It is simply this. There was a vow, then there was a broken vow, then there was a broken heart, then there was a broken home, then there was a broken life. What's different about this story is at the end of this story, there is this shockingly um, unconditional extravagant love. In fact, I think the Hallmark Channel is trying to recreate this story over and over again and I think they stink at it, but that's just my opinion. Now. I want to give a one-sentence summary of the book of Hosea because that'll help as we kind of dive into it a little bit today. Here's a one-sentence summary of the book of Hosea. God demonstrated his unconditional love for his people through an unconventional love story. Hosea is going to marry a woman named Gomer And through that marriage, God will demonstrate his unconditional love. And to say it's an unconventional marriage or unconventional love story, well, you just got to stick around to see just how unconventional it really is. So let's dive into this story because it's complicated. And wow, is there a lot to learn. And ultimately, what we're going to learn is the answer to those two first questions. Does our conduct determine God's love for us? With that, I hope you open your Bibles and join me. It's in Hosea chapter one. If Hosea is a little bit trickier to find, so you may just look at the table of contents and save yourself some time and find the book of Hosea. It's the first of the final 12 books of the Old Testament known as the Minor Prophets. Minor not because they're less important, but because they're shorter in length. Hosea chapter one, verse two is where we're gonna look. And this is a great, great love story. Look at this, Hosea chapter one, verse two. It begins with God speaking to Hosea. And the Lord began to speak through Hosea, and watch what the Lord says to Hosea. Watch this. Hosea, I want you to go and marry a beautiful woman of integrity. No. Hosea, I want you to go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land, Israel, is full of guilty of unfaithfulness. To the Lord. In other words, this marriage God is going to reveal demonstrates how God sees us. Now, you gotta be thinking about Hosea. Remember, he's a single guy. All he's doing is what God has told him to do. And God says to Hosea, Hosea, come here, I want to introduce you to your new wife. Oh, and by the way, she's a prostitute. It's like, what she's a what? Now, I got to be thinking, Hosea, because he so trusted God, I suspect that what he thought, oh, she was a prostitute, but God, you're so redemptive that you've changed her, and now for the rest of the life that we're going to live together, we'll live happily ever after. And God goes, no, actually, she'll continue to be an adulterous person. Now, don't you think Hosea's got to be thinking, God, why would you have me marry someone like that? All I've done is obey you. I've been faithful to you and you're asking me to experience this kind of a life that doesn't seem fair, does it? Ever felt that way? Maybe you're there now where you're like, hey, I didn't expect this kind of a health report. I didn't expect this kind of a hardship. I didn't expect this kind of a pain or this kind of a relationship, this kind of a disappointment, this kind of an emptiness. God, I've been faithful to you. This doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem to match. It doesn't seem fair. If you feel that way, you can really resonate with Hosea. Do you know what I am convinced is the hardest part for Hosea? Had nothing to do with what his new wife did. It's her name, Gomer. Don't you think? Don't you think that's the worst part? Do you introduce her to any of your friends? This is my wife. Oh, what's her name? It's Gomer. Did you say gopher? No, no, it's, it's, it's Gomer, I know, but man, she's... Well, I'd say she's great, but actually that's even a challenge. Uh, I mean, what a challenge, right? Like, he, he can't introduce her. I don't know. It's, but Hosea, this is his life. And he's choosing to trust God. But it's about to get harder. It's going to unravel just like God said that it would. And we fast forward the story now to Hosea chapter 2 and verse 5. And look what it says about her behavior. Because watch, as they are now married, it says, their mother, talking about Gomer, has been unfaithful, just like God said she would, and she has conceived them, the children, in disgrace. And that means what you think it means. Here's what she's saying in her mind. I will go after my lovers. And I will give, they are the ones who give me my food, my water, my wool, my linen, my olive oil, and my drink. Now you and I see this and we think, what is she doing? Because at this point, we have no reason to believe that Hosea isn't giving her these things. He's loving her despite her past. His his love seems to be very sacrificial. And yet she is going, why is it that Gomer feels the need to leave a man who's willing to love her regardless? Why is it she feels like she needs to get her needs met somewhere else, her material needs even, when Homer isn't, Homer... Hosea, I knew I was going to do that. Maybe that's the name of the first, well, no, they didn't name the children that. The children's names are actually more ridiculous than that if you read the story. Hosea is no doubt providing everything that Gomer needs. However, she decides why. That's the question. Did she not think that Hosea was his love was real, like she, she knows that, she, that he loves her and yet she has a hard time receiving it. Did she think that maybe there's just still something missing, like maybe there's more? Have you ever felt that way where you feel like, you know what, I I know God's really blessed me. I've got a great friend. I just wish I had a little better friend. I feel like something's missing. I I know I have a great marriage. I just wish I had a better marriage. I know I have a good job. I wish I had a better job. I know, you know, we're always wanting sort of more. You ever felt that way? In fact, I think in each season that something is missing, which I believe is a God-shaped void in all of us, is we are tempted to fill that void with something different in each season. And just being aware of what that chase might be is important so here's a question in this season of your life how would you fill in this blank if I could just have blank I'd have what's missing I don't know what that is for you in this season and maybe you know that the answer is God but do the deeper work and say but when I am tempted to think that it's something other than God what is in that blank in this season and see for Gomer she just kept returning to the behavior she had always known To get the things that she already had, it didn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense in my life when I do that, when I'm unfaithful to God, and when I look elsewhere for what only He can give me. There's a temptation in everything we do to think that something is missing, and to be unfaithful to what we have, even the marriage or the commitments that we have. And right here, I just want to pause for a second in the message to share something personal. You know, our family has been privileged to be here at LifePoint for a little more than a year now. And when we came, we were excited about the opportunity. And over the past year, God has done something in our hearts as a family, Ginger and I and our kids, to begin to, to, to reveal something that he has revealed with both clarity and with a desire. And, and truthfully, in the 25 years that I've been in full-time ministry, I have been privileged to be in some great churches. But this past year, what he's been revealing to us is unique. And here's what he's been revealing to us. He is revealing to us a desire and the clarity that this church, LifePoint Church, is where we are to put deep roots and to spend the rest of our ministry with all of you as we continue to go forward. We feel like for us, that's like a marriage. It's a commitment. It's where God wants us to be. And as our family has found a home here, as our family has found peace here, as our family has found a purpose here, we are excited that as we have a, a purpose and mission of sharing Jesus and building believers in Collin County, I just haven't had the the uh, prompting from the Lord to share with a church before what I'm sharing with you now, that this is for the long haul for us. As long as you'll have us, this is where we want to end our ministry with you. And we're just so grateful to be here with you all today. Thank you. Well, well thank you. Uh, I'm glad you didn't boo. That, that, that would have felt weird. Um, so Gomer is in a marriage. And she wanders, she leaves. I don't know about you, but I wonder, what is God thinking in this moment? Is God thinking, I am so disappointed with her. I am so angry with her. Or maybe he's thinking, well, it's my job to love her, but I don't like her. She's at her worst right now. What does God think of Gomer when she's at her worst? And maybe that's how you feel when you walked in today. You feel like you're at your worst right now. How does God see you? Well, I think that's why it's important to see how God responds in verses six and seven to Gomer when she is at her worst. Watch what God says. He says, therefore, I will block her path, and he says I will block it with thorn bushes. I will, he says, so it's it's sort of like, okay, you're you're blocking her with thorn bushes because you're gonna let her have it, right, God? Then he says, and I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. Oh, got it, so that you can let her have it, right? And then he says, so that she will chase after, He very aware that she's chasing after her lovers, and he says, but she will not catch them. She's gonna come up empty. Oh, so God's intentionally not giving her what she wants for a reason, watch this. And she will look for them, but she will not find them. Again, she will come up empty. Why is God doing all this? So he can let her have it? Watch. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now God instead of hammering or hurting her when she's at her worst he's orchestrating circumstances in her life whether it's pain emptiness disappointment so that she will feel the invitation to come back he's actually with her and helping her when she's at her worst I don't know about you but I find that so comforting to see God's response Her behavior may have consequences, but it doesn't like the presence and love of God. And I find that so encouraging to know that is how our God works. But there's a little twist to the story. Because it's at this point where Gomer's behavior is so repulsive, even to that culture 2,700 years ago, that the rest of culture begins to turn their back on her. And because slavery was so common back then, she is now going to be sold into slavery to pay off the debts that she has accrued. And society has said, you no longer, they're knocking the humanity out of her. Now, one of the things I love about the scripture, scripture never endorses slavery. This is often descriptive, never prescriptive. And because of the culture being as it was 2,700 years ago with what she had done, she's now on the slave block to be sold And now Hosea is sitting back, and I wonder if Hosea is thinking, you know what? Enough is enough. I don't know what to do anymore. I can't fix this. But I wonder what God's thinking. When everyone turns on Gomer, what is God doing? When everyone turns on you, when maybe you turn on you, watch what God's doing. Now we fast forward the story to Hosea chapter three, verses one through three. And we see the Lord said to Hosea, you're not saying enough is enough. You're not going and showing her and letting her have it. You're not seeking revenge. Instead, he says, go and show your love to your wife again. Don't you love that? When I am at my worst and when everyone has turned on me, God shows his love to me again. His grace is always greater than my sin. And I can't out-sin his love. Now watch this. Though she, very honest about her behavior, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. In other words, I want you to love her the way I love my people. And that means when she's at her worst and the world turns on her, we go back in and we love her again. So watch what Hosea does. They're at that auction. They're at that slave market. I bought her, Hosea says. Think about that. He was already married to her. They already belonged together. And now he goes and he buys her. And in buying her and paying her debt, he frees her from slavery. Does that sound familiar at all to a gospel story you know? Where God has already made us, Jesus goes to the cross and pays for us so that we can go free. This is a beautiful picture that God is painting for us. He bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. I'm not seeking revenge. I will be faithful to you despite what you've done. Wow. Wow. He had to purchase something he already had in order to set free his spouse. So now we come back to that original question and that is this. What is the relationship between our conduct and God's love? From this story of Hosea and Gomer, what's the relationship between our conduct? Do we have to snap for his approval? If we don't snap, do we have his disapproval? From this story, we are reminded of this hard truth. Number one, We are all unfaithful. As we've gone through this story, if you're trying to figure out who you are and who I am in the story, we are not Hosea in the story. We are Gomer in the story. In other words, we all have brokenness. We all have incompleteness. We all have that same broken depravity in our own hearts. And there'll be times when we're doing better, but in the end, we will always fail and come up short. We are all unfaithful faithful and so if our conduct determines God's love we are all in trouble no matter what the facade is we are all in trouble but here's what the story tells us the second truth is that God's love that he loves you because of who he is not because of who we are and isn't that good news in fact if you don't hear anything else today I hope you just hear this God is madly in love with you, not because of your conduct, but because of his character. He loved us first, and he loves us consistently, and his love has nothing to do with us. It's all about his character. Now, some of you who are here today, all you see is your past. All you can see is the failures You look in the mirror and you see all the things you're coming up short. You're seeing all of the ways in which you've failed. Can I just tell you, if you hear anything else today, would you just hear that God sees you and he will take you back in a minute because he wants to show you his love again. It's who he is despite what you've done. Now, with that said, I'm reminded of a story of a businessman who was in Chicago and he was looking for a wife, and he went down to Kentucky, and when he did, he went down there, and he ended up finding someone that he married, and they moved back to Chicago, and they were married for about three years, and, and then unfortunately, she became very ill, and when she became ill, it became so serious, she eventually went into a coma, and when she went into a coma, he wanted so badly for her to be healed that he ended up moving out to the suburbs, thinking a more peaceful environment would lead to her healing, But nothing changed. So he eventually thought, well, I'll take her back to Kentucky because down in Kentucky, that's a familiar place for her and her home. Maybe there will lead to healing, but nothing changed. So he brought her back to their home in Chicago. And it was there that over a few days, him staying there with her night and day, surprisingly, she began to stir. And she eventually became healed. And the very first thing when she came to, she said, I feel like I've been on a really long journey. Where were you? And he said, babe, I've been with you every step of the way. You just didn't know it. That's how God sees you. I want you to see this, because in the end of the story, we're just seeing Hosea uh, and Gomer, but now we're actually seeing God and us. In, in, In Hebrews, or Hebrews, Hosea chapter 11 Verses one through four, this is how God sees you. This is so important. He says when Israel, these are his people, when they were a child, we're talking like Abraham and Sarah, and all of a sudden then there's Isaac, there's Jacob and Esau. When Israel's in its infancy, he says, I loved them. And then out of Egypt, so now we have growth in the nation. They've gone for 400 years where they eventually are rescued by God. He says, oh, out of Egypt, I called my son. There's a deep love. But the more they were called as they went back to the nation, to the, to the promised land, to Canaan, to Israel, he says, the more they went away from me, just like Gomer did. And they sacrificed to the bells and they burned incense to images. And it was I who taught Ephraim. I'm talking about the northern kingdom, one of the primary tribes there. I taught them to walk. I love that. God's been with them all the way. He says, I took them by the arms and they did not realize that it was I who healed them. And he goes on to say, I led them with cords of human kindness. When people were good to them, it was me working through their behavior to show them kindness. And I did that with ties of love. And to them, I was like, here's how God sees you. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to them. I just want to tell you, God is madly in love with you. And even if you don't see him, he sees you and he's lifting you up and he's inviting you in. And I think this is an important because it's easy to have mental ascent, but to surrender to his love is a completely different thing. David Benner has this great quote. I want you to see it. He says, talking about unconditional love, we cannot progress very far unless it begins with a knowledge of how deeply we are loved by God. Now watch this. Until we dare to believe that nothing can separate us from God's love, until we dare believe that nothing that we could do or fail to do, nor anything that could be done has been done by anyone else to us, which is Romans 8, which we began with today. Until we dare believe that, We remain in the elementary grades of the school of spiritual transformation. Genuine transformation requires vulnerability. And it's these last two sentences. It is not the fact of being loved unconditionally that is life-changing. It is the risky experience of allowing myself to be loved unconditionally. Gomer was aware of Hosea's love but did she ever open up and allow herself to be loved? And we may be aware of God's love, but are we still trying to snap and earn what we already have? And are we willing to open up and to receive his unconditional love that is completely apart from our behavior? See, God is madly in love with you, not because of your merit, but because of his mercy. God is madly in love with you, not because of your goodness, but because of his grace. God is madly in love with you, not because of your conduct, but because of his character. And today you may be here and think, you know what, I haven't really been worried about my own behavior because I've never had that kind of a relationship with God to begin with. And I just want you to know that God is chasing you. His goodness is pursuing you. We know that because He left heaven and He came to earth for one purpose, His son Jesus wanted to go to the cross to pay a sin debt for you. And it was on that last week of Jesus's life, the most significant week in human history that began on that Palm Sunday, which we celebrate today. It was on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered into Jerusalem and people began to lay down the palm branches honoring our Savior. But within moments, they would turn on him and they would would accuse him. He would be sentenced eventually to a crucifixion and it would be a, a horrendous death. Why? Because he was committed to buy you back and to free you and me from our sin and to fill that void in your life and mine. He went to the cross and Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while you and I were sinners, we had done nothing good, Christ died for us and demonstrated his love for you and for me. You see, I believe that he did that because he's pursuing you. I believe you're here today on April the 10th, 2022. It is not an accident. I believe God is continuing to want you to hear how much he is still pursuing you, that he wants you to surrender to his unconditional love. And I just wanna give you an opportunity to do exactly that. So right here in this moment, could I just ask everyone in the room to just close your eyes for a moment? I wanna speak to those who have yet to surrender to the unconditional extravagant love of our God. So if you right here in this moment would just keep your eyes closed, I want to ask a very personal question. How many of you here would be honest in the privacy of this moment to say, I just want to pray for you? How many of you would let me pray for you by saying, I have yet to fully surrender to the unconditional love of God? Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Just go ahead right now and just raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Many of you. Who else? Several of you. Yes. Oh, I just want to pray for you right now. God, God. We know there are many in this room who you've designed in this moment, I believe you're drawing them to yourself. Give them the courage to take this step of faith and realize the greatest step of surrender is toward you. Now in this moment, I just want to invite those of you who raised your hand and those of you who wanted to but didn't have quite the confidence to do it, to repeat this prayer after me as we keep our eyes closed. There's nothing magical in these words, but it's a heart surrender on your behalf. So would you just pray this prayer and I want to give you an opportunity right now to surrender to his unconditional love. Would you pray this prayer? Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. God, I believe that you died on a cross to pay for my sin and that you miraculously rose from the dead. Father, today, in this moment, I surrender to your unconditional love. Transform me as only you can. I commit to live the rest of my life for you and make you my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, for those in the room who prayed that prayer, we wanna say congratulations. Can the rest of us welcome them to the family of God? Amen. In fact, I just wanna ask you to let us know if you prayed that prayer because we wanna be able to follow up with an email that lets you know how you can take steps in growing your relationship with God, which is why we exist. And so you can either click that QR code on the back of that pew, you can fill out the card on the back of the pew. You can go to someone who will be available for prayer in the back after the service. You can take the card and drop it either in the box or you can drop it off at the guest information out in the main lobby. You can just write on that um, that card the word surrender and we'll take it from there. We just wanna pray for you and we wanna send you some tools that can be helpful for you as you grow in your faith. Now for the rest of us, I wanna give you a chance to do business with god in fact i want to give you a specific prayer And before we leave today i just want to give you time to pray and talk to god on your own and so here's the prayer i want to i want to invite you to ask this question it's a question god promises to answer god what conduct in my life is making me question your love for me maybe you have to you know we all have this again we're all unfaithful and there will be times when our enemy will cause us to think that that behavior clouding God's love would you just ask God to reveal what that conduct is and then I would invite you to ask God to help you lay that down so that you can lift him up in your life and then you might even just thank God for his unconditional love. thank you that he extravagantly loves you and came to the cross for you as we celebrate the cross this Thursday begin to prepare your heart even now and so I just want to give you 30 seconds or so in the quietness of this moment for you to pray this prayer and to speak to God and thank Him for His love. So would you just take these next few moments, and just moments of sil- solitude right now, to pray to your Father as He listens to your heart. Would you pray, for, pray with Him right now? Father, we're so grateful. God, grateful just feels so insufficient. We're overwhelmed by the thought that you know everything and you still love us relentlessly. God, when we even get a glimpse of that in a song or in the movie, we're moved because it draws us back to you. Lord, Lord, could we we just... Like never before, not just know it, but experience what it's like to lean into your unconditional love. In this moment, I pray. Amen. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. We're gonna sing a closing song. Would you just stand with me and as we sing this song together, oh, it's a perfect song. As God's goodness is pursuing you, And me, in this moment, in this beginning of a holy week, we are reminded how much he's, the lengths he's willing to go to pursue us. Oh, he's been faithful in the past. He will be with you in the fire as he has been. But I love the bridge of this song. The bridge of this song reminds us that with my life laid down, I surrender now, Lord, I give you everything. And I wanna invite you as we sing these lyrics, You would make them your prayer to your Father. Let's sing together. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.